Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Birth Australia, guys. On today's episode, I have a beautiful mama from Brisbane who had a whirlwind, incredible birth. I really don't want to give too much away on this one, so I'm just going to let you guys get straight into it. Enjoy. Thank you so much for coming on today's show, Emma, and sharing your story with us. Thanks so much for having me. Do you just quickly want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like where you live and who's in your family? Yeah, sure. So um, I live in Brisbane with my husband, John, um, and I guess family now. We've got um, our six-week-old little Sophia Grace oh, as well. Oh, I love that name, Sophia. Oh, thank beautiful. you. <laughs> oh. So did you guys plan Sophia? Yes, yeah. Um, we sort of funnily, after our wedding, we actually, you know, had that chat of do we ever want children? Um, oh, okay. Really weren't too sure. I mean, I think we both deep down knew we did, but we just knew how much change um, was going to come. Yeah. And we just weren't too sure. And, yeah, a couple of months in, we realised definitely we were. And now we both just laugh because... There, she's only been here six weeks and I cannot imagine life without her. Yeah, wow. So do you not really have many people around you with kids or you do and that's what scared you off? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So My family are like a tribe as well. So we've got probably, gosh, 10, 10 kids just with them and, wow. yeah, lots of friends and just people I knew um, yeah. as well that have them and, yeah, just sort of was very well aware of the big change that it is yeah. and, um, yeah, could not be happier or imagine yeah. it without her. So I'm guessing when you guys found out, you were really excited then. And did you have a good pregnancy with her? Yes, um, that was an interesting story. The whole thing has been a very interesting story. Mm -hmm. So um, we had been trying for four months, which I now know is is very lucky. Um, oh, I feel you though. It feels like forever. I it was does. The same. Yeah. And yeah. you sort of feel like a bit of a fraud because, mm -hmm. you know, I just knew so many deserving people who deserve to have children and mm -hmm. had a much tougher road. Um, yeah. But, you know, every month you get your period, you just think, oh, it's that what if, you know, mm -hmm. is it going to happen? Am I going to struggle? You know, will I have them? That sort of thing. Um, 
So it was actually the fourth month where I said to John, I'm getting my period again. I was spotting and I said to him, look, let's, that was October. Um, and we just said, let's just call it and let's have a really fun Christmas. Let's go traveling and we'll try again next year. Mm-hmm. And went back to the doctor that afternoon just to get some blood tests, which will explain to you why my birth was so crazy considering the kind of person I am. Mm-hmm. So considering I'd only been four months, I'd been in the doctors getting, you know, my progesterone levels checked and, you know, that's how much I wanted to know answers and facts and black yeah. and white. Yeah. Um, and she basically said, no, sorry, honey, you're not pregnant. You need to go get a dog and a bottle of wine and give it a go again next year. Mm-hmm. And then as I was paying, she said, oh, can you come back in? It hadn't actually had enough time to take and your pregnancy stick is showing you are actually pre- pregnant. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, my gosh. What a, a shock. <laughs> yeah, wow. That is So insane. standing there at the counter thinking that I wasn't and, yeah, no, I was. So it was just the implantation bleeding. So were you disappointed at first, though, when she told you that it was a negative? Yeah, no, I think it was that frustration of the, yeah. you know, the why. Like yeah. if my levels are fine and I've got my period and all these things are going well, it was that, you know, that constant when yeah. you're trying, that frustration of why. Yeah, um, because it's such a long wait. Mm-hmm. You you get, you know, a couple of days out of the month that you test for mm-hmm. and then you've got to wait an entire month before you can do it again. And that two-week wait as well where you, yeah. you sort of don't want to drink or do those things because yeah. you don't know and, yeah, all that yeah. sort of stuff. I would say to any mums who are in that point right now, Spencer Brassard, um, she's in Canada. Mm-hmm. She has a um, Fertile Ground podcast that – that podcast changed my entire life and right. I still to this about? day whilst I'm walking with Sophia yeah. will listen to Spencer because I miss her so much because <gasps> of just how amazing those episodes were. What was, um, what was that about? Like those So she episodes? she's um, had a huge journey of fertility and she finally got her rainbow baby after oh, many, many years. Beautiful. But she's all about um, – you know, just acknowledging that stuff and being real about it and yeah. talking about the two-week wait and, you know, why sometimes you're actually doing too much to try and conceive Yeah. Um, yeah. and just going back to basics and, you know, just, yeah, she's very real. She does swear a fair bit if you don't mind that. Love it. Um, I think she's hilarious. Yeah. And, yeah, she's just very down to earth. Okay, but, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Good amazing. Mm. So how was your pregnancy? First 12 weeks were horrendous. Oh, um, yeah. That probably worst. would turn me off going again. Yeah. <laughs> But now I've had the oxytocin cocktail afterwards. I'm ready to be pregnant right oh, now. Oh, beautiful. Um, but that first week, 12 weeks was horrible. Like, And it was over Christmas and things as well. And I think, as I was saying to John, it's like a hangover, but you don't know when it's going to end. Yeah, it's horrible. You know, just the constant. And then after that, I think that was filled with a lot of anxiety as well um, because mm-hmm. I just knew the stats of that first 12 weeks. And, yeah. yeah, that wasn't overly enjoyable. And it was almost like a light bulb went off. Um mm-hmm. When we hit that 12 weeks and my morning sickness sort of eased off at about 13, 14 weeks, I just thought to myself, right, that's it. Like I've got the rest of this pregnancy to enjoy it now and, um, you know, just take every day as like a blessing that I've got, got her or him at the time, didn't know. Um, And, yeah, from then on it was the most beautiful experience like yourself, just Mm. loved my body, my bump. Just, I think I'm still grieving that she's out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it ended I up being you. amazing. Yeah. Did you find out what you were having? That you were having not until about? really late on. Um, oh, okay. We, yeah, we didn't want to know for quite a while, and then we actually had my um, sister-in-law unfortunately passed away, oh. um, and she really wanted to know, and she just said, "I, I need to know which soul I'm looking for out there," which oh, I just think is so God, beautiful. That just gave me <laughs> oh. So we ended up finding out at 20 weeks, um, and I 
desperately wanted a girl. You know, everybody says you want a healthy baby, which of course you do. Yeah, but I but... really wanted a girl. Oh, um, you got it. So that was amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So the rest of your pregnancy was perfect. Oh, blissful. Like oh, that first, awesome. as I said, that first 12 weeks was horrible. Yeah. Um, I did have some spotting as well, like you, um, at 10 weeks as well, which was a bit scary, um, but all turned out to be fine. And then everything was perfect until COVID. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm very lucky to have gone through MGP, which is the midwifery group program, and I had the most amazing midwife on this planet, Sally Higgs. Who did Higgs. you go through? Like um, hospital, It's through sorry. the MARTA. Through the MARTA. Yeah, Marta. through the oh, MARTA. Okay. Um, but basically when – we conceived, um, we were going to go through Kindred, which is where I got the blood test done and all of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, and wanted to go the whole private model. And then when I started to really look into it and realised how much I didn't want to go down that real Western medicalised model, mm-hmm. um, realised private probably wasn't the best for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went through the public um, sector with the mother mothers and um, also shared our doula that was the same doula as you, Moran. Yeah, Moran uh, she's awesome. So we went and did the birth boot camp and all that sort of stuff, um, and sort of went yeah that way. But um, yeah, COVID happened, and I was probably only sixteen weeks at the time. And I remember my midwife saying, you know, unfortunately we won't be able to check you. You're going to have to see if your tummy's growing. Which I'm a chocoholic, so I was like, well. How do you know it's not just chocolate, not yeah. my baby? Um, that was really hard. Um, yeah. And then things just got really better. Again, my midwife was amazing. So she just said, look, we'll we'll make a way around this. And we did 14-minute rapid checks and things. Yeah, cool. um, and, and then, again, it was blissful until 30, 34 weeks um, we had a routine scan. Again, it was only because of COVID we even had that scan um, yeah. because MGP, it's – yeah, you don't really have many. Um, and I had the obstetrician basically say, oh, your baby's too small. You're not going to go to full term. We're going to induce you. And oh again, with your story, if you know how badly you don't want intervention. that medical intervention, yeah. that was, he said it to me in a hallway with everybody around in bright lights, didn't even know my name, didn't even mm. ask me, you know, how had I felt like my baby was growing. Mm. Um, that was That was really hard. And I remember getting in the car and just, crying the whole way home um and then luckily I bumped into the midwife at the hospital she was still there at nine o'clock at night um you know we had a really good chat about it I spoke to Moran about it as well who gave me all the stats about how actually inaccurate those scans can be um and how many traumatized mothers she had had second time round because they got induced because of a scan um and there's a big difference between SGA being you know small gestational age as well as just a small baby yeah um so did a lot of soul searching and again I came home that night and thought right this is a decision I've got to make right now I either go down that pathway and get really anxious and start looking at all the what-ifs and googling everything which pre-pregnancy was my personality mm-hmm. um, so it was quite hard to switch off yeah. um, especially when that's just your go-to and I just thought no we're not doing this like we've come this far she's healthy you know um, I'm just going to trust my it. body yeah yeah and I thought my body's got us this far and we just ignored it. So we didn't have um, the next scan because she actually came the day, two days before. So I think she knew wow. we didn't need to do that. And she just decided to come in. Look, she was small, 2.83, um, but not SGA, which is below 2.5. So how far along were you when she decided to come? And do you want to take us to that first sign of labor? Yeah, which is hilarious. So the, the actual first son of labor for me was her head coming out, but let me backtrack. Oh, um, <laughs> my gosh. Okay. So I was 39 and one, 
3091. Um, okay, so you yep. were de- that's good. That's yeah. early for a first time mum, I feel, but that's yes. good. And I remember at the antenatal appointment with Moran when she came round and I said to her, I've just got this feeling I'm going to go early. And she wow. gave me like a, a nice smile and laughed and said, yeah, every mum says that. Yeah, and I was like, okay. it's so true. <laughs> Which was good. That actually, again, there's all these little snippets I'll give you that that yeah. again helped my labor because it made me think, okay, well, I'm probably not in labor. Got you. Um, so she came around for the antenatal visit, and I said to her yesterday at our postnatal catch up, um, it was actually a bit of tough love that she gave me. And at the time, I was really cranky and triggered, and remember thinking, oh, when she said to me, you just need to get out of your head. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's all well and good, but clearly that's why I've hired you because I am in my head and. You know, mm. there's all the fear. I'd read so many um, stories, heard so many stories of mums um, going through horrible times and, yeah. you know, even your first birth with Bella, like not yeah. even knowing that they gave you syntocin. It's just ridiculous. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I had all of that in my mind and, and the what ifs and she said, you've got to get out of your head. And that stuck with me for about a week. I couldn't I couldn't shake it off and I was, I was you know, really triggered by it. And obviously with tough love, um, and when you get triggered, it's because usually there's They're truth right. in it, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. Um, so even though I didn't want to hear it, I was like, mm, no, you probably got a point there. Um, so from there, it was the – so she came on Saturday the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And the first inkling I had was the Wednesday. So I'd had really bad period pain, spoke to my midwife, spoke to Moran, and they both said, yeah, look, that could go on for weeks. So mm-hmm. ignored it went about my business Thursday, went and hung out with um, my besties, which was lovely. And Friday, still nothing. Everything was totally normal. Um, I actually ended up having five cups of raspberry leaf tea on the Friday, not because I wanted her to come early. I actually wanted her to be in there forever. Mm. Um, As I said, I really started to enjoy that pregnancy and felt really sad about her coming out. But um, it just has no taste. So I thought, why not have five tea bags? Um, And so it was that night, went to bed, everything was fine. Woke up at 1 o'clock Saturday morning and thought I had gastro. Went to the toilet, nothing happened. Um, went back to bed, 3 o'clock in the morning, thought, yep, got gastro. Lost my mucus plug, but again, you know, a lot of my friends have had that and their babies stayed in for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think much of it. Went back to bed, woke up at about 6 and said to John, we were meant to have our, you know, last day together in mm-hmm. Southbank and get donut time and, drink, um, you know, mocktails and whatever. Yeah. Um, had breakfast, threw up and thought, yep, I've definitely got gastro. Mm -hmm. So came upstairs. um, This is now probably like 9.30. Had told Moran and the midwife that um, that was what was happening. (laughs) Yeah, had gastro. (laughs) They were like, "Mm, sounds like early labor to me. I was like, no, 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 it's gastro. Yeah. Speak to you later. Mine also felt like gastro, so I can completely relate to that. Yeah, like it just, especially with the vomiting as well. Um, So just thought, okay, that's what it is. Mm. Um, John was like, oh, this gastro seems to be very um, repetitive and cyclic-like. And I was like, (laughs) well, that's just what it is. (laughs) So um, came upstairs. The hilarious part is everyone had been banging on at me about packing my hospital bag and I had only done it like the day before. Oh, wow. and had spent, you know, $50 on Disney candles and LED lights and a six-hour <laughs> playlist and personalized pajamas and Love it. everything you can imagine. And that suitcase didn't even make it out the bedroom. Oh, my So gosh. come 10 a.m., I, John was like, mm, something's really going on. So he had been speaking to Moran and the midwife, which I didn't really wasn't really aware of. Um, and then it got to about 11 and I just said, I'm going to poo the bed. I've just got to go. And I'd listened to this amazing um, podcast. It's a lady called The Positive Birth Company in the UK, and it's all about oh, wise birth, like doing a massive poo. 
Yeah. And I'm an occupational therapist and have worked in a bowel clinic before. So to me, all of that stuff made a lot of sense about mm. environment and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I somehow managed to get to the bathroom. Um, about an hour later, Moran had spoken to John on the phone and he said, she won't do any of the positions you're telling me to tell her to do. So she said, right, I'm coming around and I'm going to get her up and doing it. And um, she then heard me in the background and a thought, obviously, I was much further along than any of us had realised. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about 12 o'clock, John poked his head in and said, uh, I can see a head. <laughs> so at any point, did you feel her coming down? Like, did you, you know, think, oh, maybe this isn't gastro, Sky, this is a baby? Honestly, I think that I had seriously gotten out of my head so much to the point that I was on another planet. I don't wow, know where my brain went. Love that. And as so I said, cool. if you think back to what I said to you pre-pregnancy that yeah. I was checking progesterone levels three months in, yeah, that just tells you where my head was at yeah. then compared to literally when in labour yeah. thinking I had gastro. And everyone's like, how did you not know? I genuinely really did not know. So um, were you just not thinking about it deeply enough and just kind of – you know, going with whatever your body was doing? I think just, I mean, there must have been a part of me that knew because John said that I said to him, oh, I think we're still going to South Bank today, but I don't think it's for that reason. So there must have been part of me subconsciously or consciously that did know. But I think I was so determined to not have intervention and I don't know, I just spent so long trusting my body and trusting my baby that was doing it. Yeah, it was just happening. And so were you breathing through all of those contractions? Like were you using no. all the knowledge? You'd be- oh, wow. Well, yes, all the knowledge. But, again, it was subconscious. So, yeah. you know, from birth boot camp, you yeah. know, the positions, you know, John mm-hmm. pushing down on my lower back. That took my pain from like a 10 to a 4, mm-hmm. which as if gastro that would have happened. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and But it really can feel like gastro. So I can understand how you would have mistaken it for that because I had the exact same labor pain. Yeah. And it's crazy how I couldn't, I was so tired and fatigued that I wanted to lay down on my, on my back or on my side. But every time that would happen, the pain was so bad that I would vomit again. Yeah. So yeah. my body ended up just making me be on all fours. Yeah, wow. Um, the hilarious thing too, is that I remember at the booth, uh, boot camp John said oh, I can't wait to see what you say when you're in transition mm-hmm. and apparently I was just dead quiet Moran said the same thing the first few times she didn't believe him that I was in labor because she said I can't hear her she's she's so quiet I don't hear wow. anything didn't speak really wow. um, just shows you everyone's so different when they mm-hmm. you know go through something like that I was yep. very noisy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was at the end. I think that's when the midwife Sally called and she said, oh, I can hear in the background. I think you guys need to head in wow. right now. Um, so John ended up having the midwife on my speakerphone, the paramedics on the other phone, and they just basically said, look, we can hear her. We're not going to get there. You're going to have to catch her. So he's looked at you and said he can see ahead. He came into the bathroom and I said to him, this gastro is getting really bad. And mm-hmm. actually then I said to him, I'm so sad. I think I'm going to have to have a cesarean. And he said, what? I said, I think, look, I'll admit maybe I am in early labor now, but as a first time mom, I was like, A, I'm six days early. B, I've probably got 24 hours to go. Um, And if early labor is like this, then there's no way am I doing it naturally. I'm going to have to have a cesarean. But that was because her head was probably 10 minutes from coming out. And again, I just got this bodily urge to, when I was on on the toilet, to stand up. And it was when I stood up, he happened to just come to the door at that moment. Um, and he said to me, I, he said a lot of things, which I, <laughs> I won't say, but he said, I can see a head. 
Um, oh, and it, when I felt gosh. down, I could feel her hair. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you need to take us through that entire situation. So I had – so, yeah, Moran was um, on her way over, mm-hmm. coming to give me some more tough love and get me up and moving. And how far um, away was Moran? Like 15, 20 minutes. And she said when she pulled up, the ambulance was outside. And she wow. was like, oh, my God, she's had the baby. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but as I said to her, you know what? I, it was worth every cent, even though she wasn't actually here oh, for my birth. Absolutely. The the information, the research, yeah. and all of the research she sent to me, you know, about episiotomies versus tearing, all that stuff. And I remember I called my best friend Rachel, um, like a week before, crying to her, saying, "I don't think I can do this. Like my bump is so big, I can't push this out. I'm going to tear. It's going to hurt. Mm. You know." And this was only a week earlier. I was obviously still pretty in my head and um, worried. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, I did get a second-degree tear. I didn't even feel the tear. Yeah, exactly. Like, all these things I was worried about. And, you know, I'm someone who gets gas to get their teeth cleaned. I feel you. So (laughs) I didn't even have a Panadol to give birth to her. So, Mm. um, yeah, I guess that last part, Maram was on her way over. The midwife was yelling at me to get off the toilet. Um, which again, my brain, I just couldn't even comprehend what anyone was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually just propelled myself onto the floor and yeah, a couple of pushes and out she came and John oh caught her. Oh my gosh. So was it just you two? Was anyone there at that point? No, or were they all just us two, <gasps> us three. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> so she was already here. Sorry. Were you guys in the bathroom? Yeah. In the ensuite. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, wow. so he grabbed her and he was like, oh, I don't know how to pass it to you. There's cords and stuff everywhere. So he managed to do that and um, the paramedics walked in and he, I remember him saying, oh, we'll have to give you an injection to, to for you to birth the placenta. And I was like, mate, I just did that. I don't need your help. I will do it myself. <laughs> Good on so you. I waddled to my bed um, and then Moran was just amazing. So she got here after that and she basically held them off and just said, no, give her her space. So mm. it took about an hour. Um, Which is and then. Yeah, the cord stopped pulsing, which I that was a big birth preference that I had. Um, so then John did some skin to skin, and Moran showered me and dried me and fed me chocolate bars and <laughs> you know put my pads on, you know all that really nurturing, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, caught my placenta in the toilet as well. Obviously, the mm. toilet was just the place to be that day. That's where <laughs> that ended up happening. That's what they say. And um, yeah, <laughs> ended up in the ambulance, um, going to the martyr, and I just remember seeing my midwife in the hallway. It was. Better than any cocktail I've ever bought out at a bar, I can tell you that, (laughs) that feeling. Yeah. Wow. That is honestly just such an incredible story. So take me through your mindset in that moment because it's such a surreal thing to happen. For a first baby as well. So considering active labor was probably, oh, look, we don't even really know what time she was born, but I think maybe two hours, maybe. Wow. Um, So really from 1 a.m. till 12.20 the next like lunchtime. It was very civilized. She came at lunch. We came, went to the hospital for three hours, came home, had dinner, went to bed. It was um, oh my gosh. really civilized. But mindset, I guess, as I said, if you think back to the week before me crying to Rachel yeah. to on the day, I have never obviously been so alone, but I never felt alone. I guess yeah. probably didn't really consciously know I was in labor. But when it happened, I have never, I can't even experience that, that um, explain that experience like that's probably the part that I grieve the most was that hour being in our room just us three mm. with Moran the paramedics were lovely and just kind of hung outside and um it was the most sacred time just having her on my skin 
no interruption. And I think at that point I said to Morant, I think I was just born too. You know, I birthed her, oh, but I, I got that. born as well. And yeah. oh, I've got goosebumps now Me just too. thinking I I feel like a different person. I mm. don't even feel like the Emma before. Like wow. I've, yeah. So when you say that, do you mean, you know, you're more of a, a relaxed person now, I guess? And definitely. Yeah. So trusting. And yeah. I think I'd always had a really good relationship with my body. I did a lot of yeah. acupuncture and, and stuff like that, and especially with Spencer's podcast and, you know, to the point where I knew she came out of my left ovary and the sonographer confirmed she did. Wow. Um, so just things like that where I'd felt very, very in tune. And after birth, I I think the confidence, um, yes, you know. Yes, confidence. That's the confidence. word I was looking for, yeah. And intuition. Like I've always – I'm a very intuitive person, but I think – now more than ever, sometimes I would have intuition, but because of other people's stories and my mind, um, especially when it was could sometimes be quite analytical, yeah. I would question everything and do the what ifs and I wouldn't always trust that intuition. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, we've barely, like we were only in hospital for three hours and we didn't have any visitors at all for the mm-hmm. first two weeks, not even grandparents or family. Um, and that two weeks you know, as I said, we had no support, which we asked for, um, but we didn't have any hospital trips or which, you know, I kind of envisaged maybe I'd be worried as a first time mum and mm. just not too sure. But I think the intuition has come through so strongly that we've just got the most beautiful bond now because wow. she just trusts me and I know her and she knows me. Oh, and um, just divine. honestly, I just feel like I've been born. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. So do you feel like the prep that you did during your pregnancy led you to that outcome? 100%. Yeah, definitely. I think honestly, it was the stuff I did before that. So a friend of mine, Natalie and I, we did a lot of growth stuff um, mm. with Belinda Anderson. And we'd done a lot of programs just on mindset um, as well. And I think Honestly, I'm actually pleased that it took four months. Again, I know um, that really isn't a long time, but it gave me a chance to learn so much. So I think had I fallen the first month, I don't know if I would have done the work, if you know what I'm saying. Whereas that four months, I really got to delve into my limiting beliefs and and my intuition and my relationship with my body and all Mm. that sort of stuff. Um, And then obviously the work with Moran as well and just all the research and – you know, really being aware of that environment, again, being an OT, that was really important to me um, mm. to make sure that I just felt safe and unobserved and and quiet and, you know, yeah. as I said, all the stuff I'd bought for labour um, was just where, where my mind was at in terms of making sure that I felt as grounded as possible and yeah. I think all of that kind of – I kept visualising that a lot um, not not trying to through mindfulness or meditation or anything. I think I just, you know, you're driving or you hear a song and I would just picture how it was all going to be and it somehow manifested and, and happened. And did you put much effort into picturing and manifesting your birth? I think when COVID started, I really started considering a home birth mm-hmm. um, or we were talking about booking the Emporium because it's so close to the Mata and birthing there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the fact I'd entertained those ideas, my mind was already sort of starting to see the benefits of it. Yeah. But just because of all those what ifs, I I never thought I would actually go through with it because I just thought, what if something goes wrong? What if she needs help? What if I lose too much blood? You know, the Mm. list goes on. And um, partly we called her Sophia because it means wisdom. And I feel that she just knew what to do and my body just knew what to do. And, Mm. you know, from then on I could just have all of that trust and 
um, confidence, I guess, mm. in myself and in her. And it changed a lot. I think the what ifs, the anxiety, mm. all the things I thought were going to happen postpartum just haven't. Wow. And I think it, it's all down to the, the work that I did in that 10 months. And also, you know, the gratitude, like when that morning sickness was over, um, I just remember thinking I'm not going to spend another day mm. of regretting this pregnancy. Like I just even when it's hard to bend over or you drop things or, yeah. you know, you get the heartburn and the lack of sleep, I just thought, well, how lucky am I to experience all of this when not everybody does. Oh, that's such a beautiful mindset to be in. So take me back to when she was first born. Was there any element of panic or anxieties? Because, you know, sometimes babies can come out and they might have fluid in their mouth or I don't know. Was there any element of that for you? Funnily, uh, I remember that part actually being really beautiful. And funnily enough, again, that was the part I was really scared about when I was crying to Rachel saying, I don't know how to do it. The contractions were way worse than than the pushing and the tearing and the, Mm. the ring of fire and all those things. That was... I remember just feeling her hair and then feeling excited and thinking, oh, my God, I actually oh. am in labour and I've only got to deal with this for another two minutes. Oh. Um, and when so she amazing. came out, she was very, very quiet. Um, and I think, again, I, my brain, I really don't think my brain actually came back for about a week. So it wasn't there at the time. But I, I do remember saying to Moran, is she, or the midwife over the phone, is she breathing? You know, she's very quiet. And she just said, Emma, she's so peaceful. That's all. You know, she's just peaceful. Give her a rub. And so we, we got in here and she started um, feeding. And, she I mean, she's not a big crier anyway. Now now I know her. Um, she was pretty quiet and pretty chilled. Um, so, yeah, I guess there was some of those subconscious fears, but I think it was just so much adrenaline and my brain just trying to process the fact that I thought I had gastro and now there was a baby in my <laughs> arms. So I think it was just a, a lot of... Um, processing yeah and you guys are gonna have more babies yes oh I said to him when I got to the hospital if I didn't have the tear I would just be pregnant again right now oh that's so beautiful I would just do it all over again isn't it funny you've had this conversation of whether you will have kids or not mm-hmm. to you know how many mm-hmm. can we have yep I'm like why have I left it so late I'm gonna have 10 <laughs> <laughs> and would you consider a home birth next time around yeah, you know, I think I would. And well, my midwife has joked and said I won't have any other option because the second time will probably come quicker. Yeah, true. Um, so she said I'll have to be in there by 30 weeks. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. But um, yeah, look, I, I think it's it's a tricky one because I still think how did I get so lucky yeah. that we were both okay and that nothing did go wrong. Mm. Um, but I also think, yeah, just that the beautiful experience of it. I can't imagine. I remember when I did get to the hospital, I thought, oh, I'm so glad I didn't have to birth her in here. Yeah. So I'm sure that that will be the case. Yeah. And have you looked into home birthing at all? Um, yeah, I know with Moran we were talking about there's lots of birthing centres, so maybe yeah, something cool. like that where it's still got that home vibe experience without it being um, a hospital. But I guess I just love my midwife so much and, yeah. and would love to go through her again. And, and unfortunately Brisbane hasn't quite caught up with Perth and things where the midwives can do home birth. So I'm hoping maybe by then um, things will have changed mm. and I'll be able to have my baby at home. Mm. So we'll have to see. Yeah. <laughs> and how's your hubby through all of this? Well, so he, yeah, he was in shock. Um, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I, I just remember him saying, oh, my God, I, I can't believe I caught her. I didn't know where to look. I didn't know what to do. Um, oh, my God, bless. And, yeah, he, I think 
it was really funny because I've always called him my Buddha um, and all my friends know John's pretty hard to rattle. He's he's very chilled, very, very um, easygoing guy. And the first week or so he was, I think, still in a bit of shock and then he actually got quite flat um, when she turned about three weeks, I think. Okay. Um, and I think the whole thing had just really caught up with him and, you know, dads don't have all the, the Facebook groups that we have and the midwives yes. checking on, you know, you and the baby and so true. they just don't really have that support. Um, luckily a couple of my other best friends have had babies two weeks either side of me. So it's lovely. Their husband has called and they've had a chat oh, about the man nice. side of things. Um, yeah, he just started to get a bit flat, especially when they cluster feed and, you know, mm. they don't want dad and things like that. But now he's, um, you know, come back to being his usual Buddha self and yeah. just realises how lucky we are. Yeah. Um, she's very settled and and happy with Daddy right now. Mm. So, um, yeah. Yeah, because it's not really like the olden days where, you know, men had nothing to do with birth. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of seeing this huge big shift in males these days and how involved they are in our birth journeys. Yeah, well, especially John. He was on the birth certificate. He's like the doctor, the midwife, the doula. He was everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think as well I said to him, um, I remember at three weeks when she was cluster feeding, she'd cry for maybe half an hour and he was saying, oh, this is really hard. Mm. And I said to him, it's actually really not like, you know, some babies cry, do the purple crying or they have colic or they're crying for six hours and that can still be normal. So I think I was starting to feel quite frustrated as well because I felt like he wasn't being as grateful as what I was um, because he was sort of saying how hard it was. But I think I just had to give him some time to catch up. You know, he didn't process things. He didn't have the hormones. He didn't grow her. Exactly. And once we had that discussion and we were just really open with things and I showed him some of the Facebook groups and said, look, this is what is normal and and this is what sometimes can happen and and all those things, I think he then realised just how lucky we had been um, and how easy we sort of have have had it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And since then, he's felt much better That's about awesome. himself and the journey. Yeah. That's so good. And is he ready for baby number two? Yeah, he's just so in love. He's like, oh, oh gosh, I'd love to have another one as well. Oh, and, my gosh. Um, we used to joke and say we wanted twins, and now I've watched no. you. <laughs> <laughs> the babies are great, don't get me wrong, but the pregnancy, no. You are just amazing. Thank I, you. Yeah. Do you feel like the prep that you guys did helped him as well? Like going to all those classes was really helpful for him? Oh, definitely. Like you said with Dale, um, John gets really passionate about birth now because he understands all of that stuff. And, you know, I think just the research, like we went and had like a little baby moon uh, COVID allowing um, at the mouse's house. It's like a little retreat where you're out in the middle of nowhere and um, fireplaces and spa baths. And we just took all the research Mariana had given me because I think when I was still working, I really had to put that to one side. It was too much to to really delve into it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a weekend away and we just read through everything and talked about everything and, you know, what we wanted, what we didn't. And just, I think for you as well, you see the research and it's almost you feel so passionately angry that mothers aren't told the stuff. Yeah. You know, you're just told you'll get induced or you'll get told that you're going to get an episiotomy whether you want it or not. I mean, I I totally appreciate sometimes that's needed if there's going to be forceps and vacuums and stuff, you have to. But just the fact that natural tears actually heal better, I didn't even get stitches. So when I had my second degree tear, the midwife said, oh, we'll stitch you up. And I said, no, I'm I'm good, thank you. Mm. I'll just let let it heal. heal. Yeah, no problems. So... 
I think, yeah, all that research and, you know, you just start to, I was so scared of, um, you know, stillbirth or pregnancy complications or, you know, as I said, all that sort of thing. And when you actually look at the statistics, um, you know, I even messaged you as well and said, when we got home, I, the first night, um, I sat up in bed with her because I thought then in inverted commas, I wasn't Mm co-sleeping because I was really scared and anti that when I was pregnant. And it just shows how much you grow because we've co-slept from the day we got home. Um, And, you know, we all sleep better, feed better. And I know that's not everyone's preference, but again, it's just the research. I think sometimes the media talk about all these horrible situations, but you don't know the background. You don't know the situation. And I think when you educate yourself and you understand what, just I think to know, like you said, what your options are Mm -hmm. and if they are needed, then how can you have a part in that? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what can you still do to feel like you've been heard? And so I I by no means was ever saying we were going to have a natural natural birth. And I said, like you did as well, you know, my baby's health is my first priority. But if I didn't want things put on me because of a scale or a bishop score or a cervical examination or something like that, it was going to have to be um, really medically needed. And I think sometimes people aren't given that information or those options and, you know, that's where sometimes things can maybe go down a path that they didn't need to. And I remember at the birth boot camp, um, I remember when they were talking about informed consent, you know, and the way sometimes things are worded of we're going to do this now, okay, that's not informed yes. consent. I didn't realise I actually had a choice. I said to Moran, what, I, I can say no? Yeah. And she said, it's your body. And I said, but I'm in a hospital. It's their job. I really didn't, yeah. even though I'm an OT, I work in health and all those things and I have you to get consent. just don't think. I just didn't think. I thought, well, they're the expert. They're the professional. I'm the patient. Um, I'll do as I'm told. So we, we never said we're going to have this natural home birth because we have a doula. Nothing like that. We were totally up for whatever was going to happen. Um, but it was like you said, I, I wanted to make sure that I knew exactly what everything meant mm-hmm. and that I had time to mm-hmm. process things and that I had yeah. all the options on the table to be able to make the best decision for us so that mm-hmm. I felt like I was being heard. That exactly. was, I think, what all the um, the work and the research we put in prior to birth, I think that's what got me into that headspace of yeah. knowing that I did have control and that I was able to to voice my wants and needs as well and you understood whatever was coming you fully mm-hmm. understood those processes yeah mm-hmm. it's so important yeah. so so important but you ended up having it like the most natural birth in the world so <laughs> I did <gasps> oh um, how special and at the end of the day I would have paid you know all the private health money that I could have paid I would have paid to have that birth oh. all over again yeah so it was just you know not planned like you said we don't always get a choice and no. birth you know the next time I could have a breech baby. I could, you know, I could have triplets. You just, you don't know. You don't know. Um, but I think being educated and when I say educated as well, not from Facebook, not from the news, not from all the other sources, but I mean proper evidence-based research, yeah. um, that's what helped me get out of my head because yes. then I could actually have real experiences and real numbers to mm-hmm. be able to say well actually how much of a risk mm, is that so or you know I think you hear so many experiences of family friends you know acquaintances or mm. you know friends of friends and things and and I think everybody almost it's like that collective education where everyone just assumes those things so yeah. like like you and I did I didn't know that I could say no exactly it's almost sad when you think people may you know if we hadn't have had the doula and we hadn't have sought that out and as I said to her we had to pay to seek that out to I get know, that information I know. 
and you know the bishop score and and all that sort of stuff yeah. like you're not going to google that because you no. wouldn't even know what it is so true i mean i didn't know what a bishop score was until my second pregnancy how bad's that mm. and i only learned what it was through the classes that i ended up doing with moran so mm-hmm. you start to see the inside as well don't you and you have mm. to remember that um and my midwife is so beautiful she said to me look I, I appreciate and respect that you don't want any cervical examinations or bishop scores or anything like that. She said, mm-hmm. but depending on how long you've been there, if you are in the hospital, you are a patient and we do have to monitor mm-hmm. things and we have to look at times. And she said, however, we will give you options. And maybe one of those options for you is you go back home. Yeah. So it wasn't like, well, if you haven't progressed or failure to progress, then we're going to induce you. It was, if that's really not what you want, then maybe the option is that you go home, but we'll have to do something. But that yeah. something can still be within your control and what your birth yeah, preferences that's are. Awesome. That's awesome. And that's all it is. It's just giving the mother the choice. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's second time around if I end up having a cesarean or whatever other options maybe present themselves, then that's okay too yeah, as long as I know. understand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very funny feeling you might be giving birth in, in your house again. <laughs> well, I'll be making sure I utilise all that um, those $50 candles and personalised yes, pyjamas and everything oh else gosh, as well. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh. So do you have any advice for first-time mamas that are in a similar boat to what we were? Yes. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. You yes. know, And as you just said, we were in that boat. Um, mm-hmm. No, I'm not Gandhi. I just got educated. Yeah, and awesome. I think, as I said, educated in the right way mm-hmm. because I think sometimes we collectively get too caught up in everybody else's story and journey and, and I know I started thinking sometimes you see so much out there that that's just how birth is and what, what it will be yeah. and I think but really ask yourself what do you want and if you want a cesarean that's totally fine as well mm-hmm. but what do you want and if yeah. that's what you want then make sure you understand what you need to do to get that and what the options are mm-hmm. and I think the best thing as well my chiropractor said to me her words of wisdom were get to know your pelvic floor because she said so often in birth you'll hear bear down, push down, do this, or, you know, you feel that urge to push. And if you don't know how to switch that off, then it can make things a lot longer um, and harder. So I think just really getting in touch with your body, um, you know, doing your perineal massage to help with tearing, even if it doesn't help, I think it got me used to that stinging feeling Mm -hmm. um, and got me used to some of that that experience of what that could be like. Mm -hmm. And just familiarizing yourself with what's going to happen like where does the baby how does it go down when does it come down what are the hormones happening and I think if you can know that stuff but then also know when to switch off know when to stop asking questions and just just once you've got the answers you need then try and try and get out of your head as much Mm. as you possibly can which is hilarious that that was a trigger for me and that was exactly what helped me to do it I think as well the other thing, um, the day before I had her, I had been listening. I'd been seeking out more and more podcasts because I still just didn't feel ready. I was still fear. I was still worried, and I listened to this "Fearless Birth" by um, Alexia Leachman. And the thing I loved about that podcast was that for the first time, someone said it's okay you're scared, yeah. because I did find sometimes with hypnobirthing and all the other things it was you know, you shouldn't be fearful, you should just trust your body. But when you've never done it before and it's yes. the first time, it is scary. So and everyone's true. telling you it's the worst pain you're ever going to feel in your life and you're going to tear and you're going to have all these horrible things done to you. Yeah, and um, you just don't, don't know. It's the fear of the unknown. Exactly. Mm. And I wish that I had known 
that it didn't need to be that scary. I think I was more scared about birth in the nine months of growing her than I was in the hours of actually doing it. And I, as I said, I didn't have anyone supporting me at all. So I think just actually acknowledging that it is okay to be scared and it is a scary thing and it is really unknown. And I think once I heard that and and in that podcast she talked about all her birth trauma and how she came through it and sort of ended up having a lovely birth afterwards, um, it was just nice to actually feel heard of someone saying, you, you, that is okay to feel like that. I think that was a turning point for me because I came downstairs and said to John, I could have her now. I feel oh, okay wow. now. And she came the next morning. So what was that podcast? Um, it was called um, Fearless Birthing and it's by Alexia Leachman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was, yeah, just that acknowledgement. And again, Spencer Brassard's podcast, which I still, as I said, listen to now, even though obviously I'm not trying to get pregnant. Well, we'll see. But <laughs> I think just being able to to fear that because I think a lot of time out there, there's that, I don't know if you've researched this, but the toxic positivity yes. where we live in a society of um, let's not talk about those things, let's shove it all under the carpet. You know, you, you make a, yeah. a comment about something and someone will put you down and say, oh, stop stressing about it, don't worry about it, stop thinking about it. It's not helpful because no. if somebody is thinking about it, then they already they are there yeah. and you need to listen to what those thoughts are and you need to acknowledge them and, and sit with them rather than just trying to push it under the carpet and pretend that it's not happening. Yeah, I um, love that. You know, and feel heard because I think so many times as mums, like you talk about these things and I think the medical model or even just friends and family might straight away think, oh, you're being a bit anxious or, um, you know, they straight away want to point to anxiety when maybe it's just you're just trying to understand and you're mm. trying to process all this stuff that's about to happen to you. Yeah. And I think that was probably the, the most important thing for me was to be okay with the fact that I did have those feelings. And once I felt heard, then I could let go. Yeah, so true. I love that. That's awesome. And do you feel like you had a good support network around you oh definitely yeah yeah absolutely and I think that's what really helped us even just to have um that time afterwards at home on our own as Mm -hmm. as I said even though we've been alone for so long it's never felt lonely so beautiful so yeah I think just also being aware of that as well actually is Mm. you know how the Chinese do the 40-day confinement afterwards and just being aware of as much as you want to share this baby with the world um I think my bubble lasted longer because I had so much time just in my bedroom with her alone Mm. you know to get to know each other and I think that's kind of really helped our journey as well yeah it's so important isn't it Mm -hmm. I don't know how you had 10 people in the room with Bella well I mean we didn't anticipate that yeah (laughs) but But next time you totally did it differently yeah well I guess that was one positive with COVID is that we were able to isolate without feeling guilty well they've researched that breastfeeding um uh, has actually gone up, like in terms of it, success of breastfeeding has gone oh, up. And they think it's because so many mums have had more skin to skin and less visitors and less oh, interruptions. How incredible. Mm. What a beautiful thing to come out of this pandemic. Definitely. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Emma, and sharing your very surreal birth story. You're so welcome. You definitely need to get on here next time because I know <laughs> it's going to be another beautiful, positive birth. I think that's the thing, isn't it? When you talk about positive birth, it it doesn't have to be positive the whole 10 months and you don't have to walk around smiling the whole time and saying you never felt scared or worried. Um, But it can still be positive. Yes, absolutely. 1000%. Thank you so much, Emma. Thanks for having me. That brings us to the end of today's episode, guys. I hope Emma's story is a beautiful reminder to you all that our bodies are built to birth and that we women are so powerful. 
I hope you guys enjoyed today's show and I'll see you next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.